CoinRow Plus is your new way to collect, manage your inventory, digitally authenticate coins, create your want list, buy and sell coins, and much more. Learn more about CoinRow Plus at CoinRowPlus.com or download the app now at Google Play or the App Store. Welcome to the Coin World Podcast with your host, Jeff Stark. And as I've said from day one of this show, this is a big tent hobby. There's a lot of room for folks. And Larry Jewett. And learning has been such a tremendous amount of this journey. The Coin World Podcast. I'll bet you're wondering what this is because it's been a while. Welcome to the Coin World Podcast. And sometimes, you know, life gets in the way and uh, the best laid plans can be cut aside. And that's sometimes what happens when we're trying to get guests involved here. And in case you're wondering, I'm Larry Jewett. And I'm Jeff Stark. And it's been a couple of weeks since you heard from us last, but that was for, I would say, good reason, because I was otherwise detained in Ottawa, Ontario, in Canada, attending the Mint Directors Conference, the 31st International Mint Directors Conference, and uh, did some some fun stuff while there, coin-related, and that kept me out of the broadcast booth and uh, away from the office. So, uh, But now I'm back, and, and now we are back. Yeah, I think that we... Uh want to thank some fine folks for helping us out there. I think we start with the Royal Canadian Mint, don't we? Oh, gosh, yes. Uh, the Royal Canadian Mint was the host of this event, and it was thanks to them that I uh, got to attend. And they they put in so much work on this conference. It, uh, it really brought people literally from all over the globe together to talk about the future of the minting industry, the uh, challenges that are uh, facing, whether that's uh, digital payments, uh, sustainability, uh, different um, mechanisms by which to engage collectors and new collectors. Uh, so it, it was just, it was enormous. And of course they had, they had several sponsors uh, as well for the event, Sunshine Mint and Economa, and um, I, I know I'm forgetting some. Forgive me, but it it, it was such a MKS Pamp, um, such a big and important gathering, and it was uh, uh, just a privilege to be there and hear from folks. One of the um, one of the keynote speakers was Dr. Farah Alabe, who is a um, Canadian-born astronaut with NASA. I'm sorry, not astronaut. She's she works on the space program with NASA, and she was not actually there in person for the conference. But they had a hologram projection of her uh, that was really, really super cool. That's the first time I've seen anything like that. There was kind of bummed. I had wanted to meet her and get an autograph, but. Um, you know, it was it was really cool to see how that came together. It it was really just a, a, a overwhelming and fun and uh, informational time. And of course, I've been trying to digest it since it happened, and digesting it in uh, the pages of CoinWorld and online at CoinWorld.com, and and of course, I get to talk about it here. And that's one of the things about when you attend an event like this. Odds are you're going to come back with more work to do, and that's uh, 
You know, it's always a positive thing, but it had to be a great opportunity. Now, this is not your first time attending this. Uh, no, I went to one other one back in 2012 uh, when that was hosted by the Austrian Mint in Vienna. And uh, I will say this time around, I was thrilled to see and uh, talk to hang out with a recent fairly recent podcast guest, Tom Urim, the president of the ANA, and uh, many other things. Uh, he was there in attendance, and there was uh, somewhere between 250 and 280 folks were there. I'd, I heard a couple different numbers, so um, I know it was north of 250, so that's a safe number to say, and um there were folks from the technical side, the the presses, the the machines that um, help in the process, whether that's Carveco um, design software, whether that's uh, Axis lasers, whether you know Spalik, um color pad printing machines. You know, there's there's so many so many layers to this, and I got to see that in action. Uh, at a tour of the Royal Canadian Mint on the the day following the uh, conference. I guess that they kind of wrapped that under the conference umbrella. And uh, we we got to do a, a on the floor tour and uh, couldn't take pictures though. So um, they closely guard those secrets, uh, but it was really cool. And then at the end, they had, for the first time, they had the million-dollar gold coin, which has about $6 million of gold in it. It's denominated a million dollars. They had that on uh, exhibit, on display in the gift shop. And uh, as I noted to folks uh, at Coin Club recently, there were two, uh, two guards there positioned just outside of the picture frame. So they they were close by making sure nothing untoward happened, but uh and, and all there were all the quips um you know about oh that would that not fit in my luggage and, and all that. It's it's a whopper. It's it's a big deal. It's um a couple feet across. I did not try lifting it. I did not want to get uh, arrested, but uh that was definitely a highlight as as well. So how would you compare the 2023, which is after a few years of absence due to world events, how would you compare the 2023 event that you attended to the first one you attended in 2012? So, yeah, this this was the first in-person gathering for the Mint Directors Conference in five years. Um, they were, I, I think there was, they were pretty similar as far as the forward thinking scope of the discussions um this one i, I don't want to take anything away from 2012 and and vienna austrian mint folks this one there were there were just some really interesting panels i got to meet some folks um that and reconnect with with some folks that um you know, it, it had had some interesting things to say, some some good quotes, some good uh, frameworks of, of how to think about the future, both in terms of the minting industry and, and in other capacities. 
um, it, it wasn't better. It wasn't worse. It was just different. Um, although that's 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 really a cop out um, because it was it was similar in so many ways. But I do think the um, the stable of discussions, the, the the speakers that they had for this event, for the most part, were um, you know had had some really great things to say. Part, partly too, hey, that was twelve years ago. I don't remember. Yeah, well, that's the thing too. I mean, they have a formula for the uh, type of gatherings they want because it, it works for them. The formula they employed in 2012. Obviously, here we are 12 years later, and it, times have changed. I mean, obviously, some of the topics they discussed weren't as topical, for lack of a better word, in 2012. And so they're basically keeping it. I mean, this is the 31st event, so they pretty much know what they're doing here, and obviously. Uh, spreading the scope. It's not just a case of stamping out coins. It's thinking about topics, thinking about the materials that have all changed and everything. I'm, I'm sure that the 2023 was designed with the idea that it's going to be new and innovative. And speaking of new and innovative, next time we get together, it's going to be my turn to talk a little bit about some travels as I will be departing for the International Money Expo in Nashville, Tennessee, the inaugural event happening in the capital, the Volunteer State, and we're going to be on hand there at the Coin World booth and uh, checking meeting folks from throughout the region who show up for that event down at the Music City Center. So that's uh, in, with the airline going to get me there, and uh, we'll be talking about that next time. So it'll be my turn to come back with a travel report. Only this time, I don't have any event to compare it to because this is the first one. So I'm excited about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I let me also put a plug in for. The Bank of Canada Museum. I got to tour that as well before the conference, and uh, there's a fantastic connection to uh, an American collector there. You'll just maybe you'll just have to read about it in the pages of the Coin World. I don't want to. We don't want to give everything away here, but no. uh, but uh, I I would love to be at IMAX. But hey, I. I was in Canada and I got to have poutine and beaver tail and and uh, uh, actually, I had some African and Thai. And anyway, this is not a food show. <laughs> well, here, but it, the thing of it is, I mean, the thing is foremost on my mind is once I get situated into my hotel, I know of a pizza location that's open till 5 a.m. because I had a uh, opportunity to be in Nashville in July. So even though we're not talking about food, one of the things I'm, I won't get any museum tours. I won't get any mint tours. I won't get, I mean, we have plenty of activity going on at the IMAX show. You may remember Gary Adkins was on the podcast explaining all, and we were one of the first to break the news of Steve Forbes being there. So there's a lot of things I'm going to be able to talk about, and uh, pizza is going to be the first thing tonight. Okay. So. Well, you're you're going to come home with one of those guitars that they're giving away. Uh, in theory, uh, I know <laughs> def I'm definitely going to come home with a book, and I know that resonates with you. So. Ah, uh, yes, 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 very good, very good. So, uh, well, we'll you'll have to, uh, we'll sit tight and wait for for that. Um, so I can hear all about what I missed, and you got to hear what you missed at um, at Mint Directors Conference. So anyway, uh, I suppose we should, instead of talking about the present, we should start talking about the past, huh? 
I believe so, because, I mean, there's so much about the past. That's why we threw that uh, reference to the 2012 show that you uh, last attended here. But let's uh, also dig into the events that are related to this particular week. I mean, this is one of my favorite weeks of the year. It's Halloween week and got my costume and, uh, you know, I'm a big kid at heart, I guess. So I just wonder if there's anything, anything related to spooky coins or anything like that in, in this week in numismatic history. Well, unfortunately not. Um, I, you know, you're, you're, you said you're a big kid at heart and you got your costume. I go as a functioning adult every year. It fools them all the time. Um, uh, no, unfortunately, there's there's nothing. I didn't find anything spooky or uh, s- sneaky or, or anything mischievous uh, this time. I mean, I could pull that in... Uh, 1929, October 29th was the day the stock market crashed on Black Tuesday. Wrong, so- wrong scare, wrong scare. <laughs> yeah. uh, but but also on October 29th in 1990, <clears throat> in 1997, that was when the gallery mint struck Ron Landis's concept brass dollars with the Statue of Liberty obverse for a U.S. Senate hearing on the small dollar coin. And I mention that, there's, that's a mouthful, but I mention it because it speaks to the variety of options out there for somebody who's looking for a modern piece that's tough to find. I don't know how rare this is, how easily it can be obtained in the marketplace, but I suspect it's fairly uncommon. It's not something you're just going to be able to uh, call up any old coin dealer and obtain because there was a limited number presumably made. And there are a lot of things like this. I think of Dan Carr's works and, uh, you know, I don't, I haven't kept up with, with all that he's done. He does so much cool stuff and uh, there's, there's folks like the Gallery Mint Museum that uh, have done, you know, Gallery Mint Museum replicas or tribute pieces. There's some really cool ones there. Some of them, a lot of them are very easy to obtain, but something like this, I don't think as much. Um, so that was, that was to me, kind of special and interesting. If you want to go with something a little more mainstream, I can, I can say that on October 30th, 1944, that was when the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco decided to permit Hawaii overprinted paper money to circulate on mainland U.S. This was 1944. Uh, of course, you know, in the height of World War II, these notes were made to circulate on the islands, but they did make their way back in circulation in the U.S., uh, probably because of servicemen and women who were bringing them back. And it was okay, according to the Federal Reserve, for these to circulate in the U.S. as good money, paper money, uh, such as that is. So uh, that's a little more down the middle, but you always got to find something that uh, strikes my fancy and the concept brass dollars. Hey, Statue of Liberty on the coin. That that sounds familiar uh, since the, the presidential series. So that's uh, what jumped out to me. Awesome. Great. I mean, those are some good, interesting points that we need to make in our continuing quest to educate through history. 
So let's keep the historic function here. Let's go back to 2012. Yes. And because that is the time when you had a chance to go to Vienna for that particular reason <clears throat> here. And uh, we got uh, yeah. we have some great things going on with that. Yeah. So 2012, because of the Mint Directors Conference connection, we're looking at the October 29th, 2012 issue. And I was thrilled to see a story under my own name on the front page. The headline says, Handkerchief Drawer Yields Rare Gold Coin. What gold coin was this? This was a 1703 Vigo Bay five-guinea piece that surfaced in an estate in the United Kingdom. The Vigo pieces are, uh, they're available in silver and gold, but the gold is much rarer. And uh, it's one of those great stories from British numismatics. The gold was seized after a victorious naval battle at Vigo Bay off the coast of Spain. Uh, one of the most desirable coins in the entire English milled gold series, milled meaning machine struck. Um, the pre-sale estimate was something like uh, 80,000 to 120,000 pounds. But I want to say, if my memory serves, it sold for like a 200,000 bucks to a quarter of a mil, somewhere in there. It's um, It was believed to be only the 16th known example of of this great treasure and um it's not the only time the brits have have struck a coin uh from metal seized in such fashion um but uh I, i'm thinking of uh lima pieces though i'm sorry the lima pieces were available in silver i don't think vigo is available in silver um and and yeah, there similar examples had sold for about a quarter of a mil back in the day. So uh, it's it's a fantastic piece. Oh, hey, there were four different silver denominations struck in 1703, including a shilling and crown, as well as half crown and sixpence. Uh, so uh, I I correct myself as we uh, as we proceed forward. It's it's a very fascinating and complex story. There's also a great medal that celebrates the victorious assault. Um, it, it, the Battle of Vigo Bay pitted the Anglo-Dutch alliance against French and Spanish ships sheltered there at Vigo Bay on the Spanish coast. It's a fantastic story of history as well as numismatic history. And uh, I, I liked being able to walk down memory lane with this, this, this coin showed up in a um, an estate, basically, with two other almost worthless coins. I will never say a coin is worthless. Uh, there's always some meaning and value and lesson from it, but very, very common worn coins uh, that had been found in this lady's late husband's chest of drawers in what was believed to be his handkerchief drawer. And uh, this small provincial auction house in the UK put this up for sale. It garnered lots of attention. And uh, as I recall, just, you know, maybe a month later, we had the story about the sale and it was, uh, it was rather notable. So fun, fun to, like I say, walk down memory lane. That's what jumped out for me from the October 29th, 2012 issue.
I know that you had a, a lot of work that went into that story that ends up on the front page, but uh, you're also recognized on the letters page in this particular issue. Uh-oh. Yes, indeed. <laughs> There's uh, only a half page of letters, uh, much like what we experience now, because we uh, sometimes don't get a lot of letters, and sometimes the letters we get aren't... Mm, Aren't anything we want to print. I admit that, but you know, it's usually about the stuff I write. But anyway, this is called Group Reaps Article Benefits. I don't know if you recall this or not. I have no idea. Okay. This is from the October 29th, 2012. And it says, I received the October 1st issue of Coin World Special Edition. And I would like to thank the publication and author Jeff Stark very much for the wonderful article titled, One Coin is Never Enough. It's my understanding that the article has already resulted in several new members of the Every Country Collectors Group on Yahoo. The group greatly benefits from the diversity, numismatically and geographically, of its many members. I also want to thank Mr. Stark for the accuracy in his article. It was gratifying to be asked to provide information, along with other members of the group, for the article and to be quoted accurately. Thank you. And that's from Thomas Havelka, Address Withheld. Does that ring a bell? Yeah, yeah. And and I will say, for somebody who hears that and wants to go look for that group, <laughs> Yahoo, Yahoo killed the group function, so... Uh, I, I'm sure the group exists in some form or fashion. I just don't know where they call their electronic home uh, since Yahoo pulled the plug several years ago. But um, there's a there's a avid, rabid maybe group of folks who, and this is again speaks to the big tent hobby sort of uh, you know theme that we've beat home all the time you can you can build the collection however you want these folks say i'm going to collect one coin from every country well then what constitutes a country and you can get into multiple levels of well you know it's recognized by the united nations it's it's part of these you know international organizations it existed and no longer exists so it's it counts. Uh, I mean, there's just so many ways you can do it. You can look at little uh, duchies and provinces and uh, little fiefdoms and and protector states and all this. I, I mean, it, it's just you can get up to like 8,000 types depending on how you define what a country is or an issuer is. So uh, that was the focus of that article. And I, I talked to three or four of the folks and said, you know, ask them why they collect, what they collect and and how they collect and, and distilled that into uh, an article um, exploring that topic. I'm going to read that because I totally agree with that sentiment. And I mean, it's just the idea when you look at the different criteria, I mean, if you just looked at German States alone, you could be kept plenty busy, but just the idea that, collecting coins of the countries when you're going back a few years some of those countries didn't exist i mean that's what i'm up against a lot and some of them existed under a different name sri lanka salon for example myanmar burma 
Yeah, Rhodesia, Zimbabwe. Exactly. Yep. And it changes. It changes frequently. It changes and it could change, you know, several times over. But it just comes down to what is your collecting preference. And then you don't really have to justify it. You just have to define it. That's all. Yep. Yep. I, I think of a more recent, one of the most recent examples is uh, Eswatini, if that's how you pronounce it, which uh, emerged out of Swaziland. So, and that's in the last three years, four years. And you can have coins of both countries and they're the same place now. But, uh, you know, and certainly there are countries whose boundaries have changed. And so you can collect some from a different boundary era and a later boundary era. And uh, man, there's just so many ways to slice up this turkey. <laughs> yeah, that's the big tent hobby because it's a big world out there. If you just start even thinking about your example, African countries, how many of them there are at the present time, man. You yep. know, it's just yep. so many ways you can go with it. But the whole idea is to have fun with it. The whole mm -hmm. idea is to just enjoy what you do here. As yep. we hope you're enjoying today's podcast. And thank you so much for listening to us once again. And probably the one of the listeners' most enjoyable parts is coming up, but it's become one of my dreaded parts. I know you're just lying in wait here. One of these days, I'm going to get enough time to find a question to come after you, but I guess I'm still in the barrel. Well, what you got. So I, I think I, I have faith in you. I think this is you've had two weeks now to to look this up uh, because we uh, last joined you with the news about the Pop Joy Mint. I asked you a question about the Pop Joy Mint's famous cat coin program, and it's kind of a trick question because there were different cat coins at different times. I wanted to know what the official start year is for their series of cat coins for the pop joy mint series from for the pop joy mint series hmm. um about uh, 35 years in 1988 um i believe you are correct but yeah. why is that tricky well because there were others before that yes one in 1970 was struck by the royal mint and one in 74 was struck by Pop Joy, but it was not part of that cat coin series that then developed what would turn out to be 14 years after that. Uh, well, so and see, and that's exactly what we go through sometimes in trivia. You have to listen to the entire question. You have to listen to every word to make sure that your answer matches up what you were asking. You didn't ask me when the first one was. You didn't ask me who produced the first one. You asked me when Pop Joy, and that's why I got the clarification about Pop Joy doing the series. So. You must you must have read my article. So <laughs> anyway, very good. Well, now now since I was just in Canada, I, I have a question for you. Uh, coming from our neighbors to the north, at least as uh, as Larry and I and many of the listeners sit, um, what do you think? Uh, you think you can get this one? I'm going to give it a shot because that's always been one of the uh, the soft spots for me as I've always enjoyed, especially the five cent coin. And then, uh, you know, my wife's very interested in the $10 notes. So, 
It's just, yeah, this is, in fact, I made a purchase at Central States of a uh, Canadian note of a higher denomination, and I have that in my collection. But I've always loved, and when I was living in Ohio, it was not uncommon back when the cent was still being made to see a Canadian cent in your change. So, yeah, okay. I've always, and plus, we lived close enough that it was a it was a big deal for us to go to Windsor. So, just, yeah, I love this. Bring it on. All right. So, Canada is known for many things. Numismatically, it is known for a silver dollar. When was the first circulating commemorative silver dollar from Canada issued, and what did it commemorate? Hold on a second. Let me call Ian Lang real quick. <laughs> Uh yeah, you, you can you can check with the fine folks at Gate West, but uh this is you you may have a book there that answers it. Striking striking change or something. I can't remember the striking impressions. Um, but uh if you don't let me know. And uh it's um it, it's a it's a fun piece and uh you can you can encounter them in the market. I just saw one yesterday at a coin shop so i thought that's that's it that's the trivia question for this week and and also now maybe next time you'll come up with a question for me but no promises oh i think i'm just going to solicit some help at the imax show at the international money expo um there this week and maybe i can get you know you get by with a little help from your friends so well, it looks like we're uh, kind of narrowing down here on the time that we're allotted. You know, time is money, as they say. So want to thank everybody for being a part of today's program. And again, make sure you tell your friends. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you be an active part. We'd love to hear from you, too. Just drop us a line. Glad to hear from you as we are going to, you know, be heading headlong into 2024, already starting to do the planning for the issues. So we welcome your suggestions for the podcast for Coin World. And uh, I just want to hear from you right here because we really enjoy the opportunity to, you know, educate, inform, and entertain, and probably in that order. Absolutely. But until next time, happy, happy collecting. collecting. Thank you for listening to the Coin World Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, and we'll see you next week. Coin World Plus is your new way to collect, manage your inventory, digitally authenticate coins, create your want list, buy and sell coins, and much more. Learn more about Coin World Plus at coinworldplus.com or download the app now at Google Play or the App Store.